So I was in the Gulf last year. I was doing this thing. Anyway, I came up over this dune and I saw the ocean and it was on fire. The whole thing on fire. And it was beautiful. So I just sat there and watched it. And that's when I realized there might not be a meaning to life, you know, like no organic power that connects all living things, no God, no Yahweh. I don't know. Anyway, that was when I realized that it was time to embrace the void. Warning. This podcast contains foul language, dark invocations, and treating women like their people. Friends, episode 58 of Embrace the Void, where every day is too much news day. I'm your host, Aaron, and with me as always is my co-host and expert on taking things a little too far, GW. How you doing, G-Dubs? Uh, I mean, I don't think I could get too much news when it comes to Mueller stuff. Oh, it makes me all so tingly. Much of it. <laughs> it's, I feel like hedonism bot and someone's just pouring syrup all over me and I'm just like, ah. Uh, and just all of the like trolley things like there's been so many memes and stuff of like, oh, looks like we're in the season finale or, you know, must be act five of King Lear or, you know, some other reference of it being the end of the story. Yep. Yep. We have moved into the final phase. Third part of the trilogy. Let's do this thing. Right. Felt uh, yeah, no, it's movement. gotten really, really exciting out there. And like, you know, you know yesterday may not be the day and like next week may not be the final week but like real things continue to happen so this this sort of idea that like oh is is it or not going to happen or not going to happen i think becomes a dumber and dumber question the more that real stuff starts to come out and it becomes readily apparent that like more real (laughs) stuff is coming but what about her emails aaron but right it was so funny when when they released the thing of cohen and uh, it said that he had been directed to give the hush money at the behest of one of the presidential candidates. <laughs> right. And I want to be like, oh, it was, it was Hillary, obviously. Yeah. Obvs. It's all finally coming together. QAnon was right. <laughs> uh, so next episode, we're going to be doing, uh, we've got a great interview with someone who uh, a couple of folks have been trying to get us on. It's another ethicist, and we're going to sort of likely get into the philosophical weeds quite a bit on that one. So we thought we would do something sort of a little fun, a little lighter, well, maybe not fun, but a little bit less sort of theory intensive. I mean, fun for Um, me. It'll be fun. There's going to be some fun. Uh, We're going to talk about art again. We've done this before, talking about art and especially art and ethics. And we're going to talk about if art can go too far, not in a, like, using the wrong kind of language way and offending people in that sense, but, like, looking at especially uh, transgressive kinds of art pieces. Um, so this was one that you sort of uh, put forward, GW, and I think it's a great topic. Um, do you want to give any more sort of structure to it? Yeah, um, I think it's important, at least for us, to use a working definition of art. Um, you know, we talked about a definition of art uh, back in episode eight, 
Um, and so I think if folks want to go back to that old episode, uh, they can sort of hear us debate about art and uh, me taking the stance that animals can't make it. But I think at least for this conversation, can we agree on a super simple definition because we could spend four episodes on just this, uh, that art is created by one or more people and they deem it art. Yeah. And I mean, uh, right. That's a problematic definition because we just use the word in it. But I think well, yeah. the, the, the identifying it, the intent of the individual making it to see it as art, I think we can use that without sort of diving back into the question of whether art has to necessarily express something or not. Right, right. Um, but because yeah. because if we're going to evaluate uh, if it can go too far, I think there's an implication of intent by the person or persons creating said art uh, that it, there's an intention there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this spawned up when we were talking about performance art uh, and I made the argument that performance art is a type of theater and theater isn't, uh, theater is like the parent of performance art and that, although they're, they're sort of the same, they're also different. Yeah. I think that performance art, I I think that we should do away with the negative connotations surrounding the idea of performance art that puts it as like the, the weak version of theater or something. I think it's just a kind of theater that often involves um, non-traditional theatrical methods, and often that includes direct engagement with the audience. Yeah, and you know, um, just to do a small history lesson, uh, performance art really got its mainstream name as performance art in the eyes of the public, at least in this country, back in the '90s. Um, there's a group of artists that were. That are called the NEA Four. The NEA is the National Endowment of the Arts, and there were these four performance artists who were doing pieces, and um, they were being given this grant. Um, and some people saw some of their pieces and were deeply offended, and tried to get their grants and successfully got their grants revoked because people were complaining about their tax dollars going to smut or whatever they wanted to sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, call it and and i believe if memory serves i could be wrong about this they even went to court to try to get the grants back right and so it, while that term sort of hit the mainstream in the 90s the art that we're looking at goes back as far as like the 60s and 70s yeah and so, and there's even some contemporary stuff that uh, we can also sort of look at but it does beg the question mm-hmm. of I am a huge fan when it comes to theater of avant-garde style theater. I love, I call it artsy fartsy stuff, like things that um, most people probably don't like that beg questions that uh, don't follow cookie cutter kind of things. Um, Like there will be blood is one of my favorite movies and few people liked that movie Um, uh, and things like that. Like there are, there are plays out there that could be very controversial as well that I really enjoy. Uh, that a lot of people don't. Um, and so I think like with performance art, you know, the wh- one of the first examples um, I learned about when I was in school and stuff was uh, uh, this woman, I'm going to try to pronounce her name, and I think we're going to just call this whole episode, UW and Aaron try to pronounce people's names. Um, mm-hmm. Her name's um, Marina Ambromovic. Am- Ambra- Ambromovic? We're going with Ambromovic. She did this yeah. piece 
uh, I think in the 70s, where um, she just stood there, uh, I believe naked, and there was a table with a ton of items. And the items ranged from feathers and pencils and, and light stuff to like whips and a loaded gun. Um, and the event started with people doing light stuff, tickling her or whatever. And, and any audience, oh, I should have said any audience member could do whatever they wanted to her. And she would just stand there. And it escalated to the point where uh, a person took the gun, was pointing it at her face and another person like tackled him and, and like a fight ensued. Um, and she did that for like six hours. Yeah. I, so this piece to me doesn't, well, yeah, I don't think this piece goes too far. Like, uh, I think there are some of the pieces that, that we'll look at with her, where I do think it does go a little too far, but I really like, like, I mean, when we're looking at these art pieces, I guess to me, when I was thinking about your question about what is going too far, right, we're looking at um, how, how, in what way does it effectively challenge uh, something, challenge the status quo, challenge the people who are engaging with it, maybe challenge the artists themselves, and like, if it challenges people in the right way, I think that can allow that that can justify taking art very, very far. And at the same time, I think we have to be careful and we have to ask the question, what does it glorify? Is it glorifying something in or is it sort of framing things in a way that that is problematic? Um, and I think this particular piece does a really great job of challenging both the artist and the people engaging with it and the people who look at that art afterwards. Um, and, and I think it doesn't too go too far on the glorifying of, of things like invading of personal space. Yeah. And so maybe what it is, is we need to try to get into the weeds about what do we mean by too far? Like mm -hmm. I, I, I was thinking about that while you were talking and I, I think if I were to put a, a quick definition on it, it would be when the art causes physical harm to people that are not consenting to it. Yeah, that's the John Stuart Mill sort of line, right? If a behavior causes harm to individuals who aren't actively engaged in that behavior, if my behavior harms you without your consent, then that's a good time to step in. And art, it seems like, can also fit into that kind of category. So if my art hurts other people in a discernible kind of way, then that could be problematic. So for I think, for example, if my art glorifies suicide and leads to a bunch of individuals committing suicide that could be viewed as a as a as going too far in a sense with that kind of art. Oh, uh, I want to make an important distinction uh in mm -hmm. in my definition I said physical harm. Uh okay. and and I am drawing that distinction because uh I I think some people have made the argument um for example uh I think her name's Holly Hughes who was one of the NEA4 one of her pieces was she like smeared honey all over her breasts. As part of her thing and and someone who saw it uh and was and saw it with her kid or something um thought it damaged her kid psychologically and and so that the harm that there was psychological harm done to her kid um and and that's why she didn't like the piece or whatever so uh, i think that there are instances where art causing psychological harm uh with a point can be acceptable. Um, right. Like one of the, one of the pieces 
uh, which will probably cause some people psychological harm. Yeah, so there's the guy, uh, Zhu Yu, I think, Z-H-U-Y-U. Um, he uh, essentially ate a dead fetus, um, and apparently he claims he stole said fetus. Uh, that's pretty fucking far, I think, but I don't think it goes too far, at least with my current definition. Yeah, and I'd like you to assume with my pro cannibal position that I would be on board though. It's not, it's not consensual, which makes me nervous that you're, you're taking, uh, uh I mean, it's hard. Oh, uh, you're giving I, personhood to a fetus. No, I don't. It's not a person. I, I mean, I like when I look at this art, right, they are trying to evoke responses in me. So I think it's fair to come back with a, well, what is my intuitive response to these various pieces of art? So, like, I don't have an intuitive uh, response of that seems morally problematic when I looked at the, you know, like, she lets people do things to her for an you know, extended period of time. Um, but the one where she carves some symbols into herself, that one's one of the earlier ones in her career. That one seemed problematic to me. Um, and then this fetus one, like, I don't know if I find it immoral, but I certainly do have a squeamish reaction to it. So are like, are you? I'm sorry. Just to clarify, so you're, um, when you say, uh, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What did you say? You said uh, morally, it crosses like a moral boundary. Yeah, um, it was morally problematic. Like, do do you, for you, is that what too far means when it becomes morally problematic? Yeah, that. Uh, well, um, because I, I I could I could see something not going too far, but also being morally problematic. I think there are things that can be morally problematic in, in banal kinds of ways, and then there are things that can be morally problematic while also being potentially successively, successfully transgressive, I guess. I don't think that these things are necessarily either or, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the more... It's hard. I mean, like, I'm not saying any of this is fair, but, like, my intuitions are... The more successful a piece of art is, the more it can push the boundaries of what is morally acceptable. Right. And, um, and I think, isn't that sometimes the point of art is to push boundaries, right? Uh, whether they're political boundaries, social boundaries, moral boundaries, um, to force us to think about those lines, right? Um, you know, there was, uh, you know, I don't think... You, would, you or I would say this is anywhere close to too far, but there was the one woman, um, Deborah D. Um, Robertus, I think is how you pronounce her name. Um, mm-hmm. There was a showing of this really famous painting, which is essentially like an oil canvas painting of a woman's vagina. And she came in to the museum and sat in front of a chair and opened her legs, showing her vagina, uh, and was quickly escorted out. And she was sort of pointing out that... Um, it's not the showing of her her vagina. It is the connection to her eye, to to her face. That that's what like it's because of her face that she was escorted out, not because of her vagina. Because she was sitting in front of a vagina. Uh huh. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that one, and that it sort of it sort of harkens back to like this is not a pipe. Only it's a vagina. <laughs> and it, you know, it it raises questions about. 
why we are okay with these things when they are contextualized in the right kind of artistic format, but we're so still regressive about them um, for actual human beings and their bodies, um, and how much more control we apply to the human beings' bodies themselves than the artist. Um, so, like, I I do think that these things can go pretty far. Like, of all of the things that I looked at on the, you know, I, I we have a list that we'll post with the show notes of these various um, forms of going too far, quote unquote. I find very few of them feel to me to be like really way too far. Um, the ones that are like self-harming worry me a little bit. Um, but like even there, I have a problem drawing a solid line because I can understand and would respect the artistic choice to like burn oneself to death in political protest. Yeah, but and we also like inflict self harm for the sake of beauty, right? Like we mm-hmm. get a, an, a piercing in our ear, or we get a tattoo, like that is causing harm, but for the sake of some sort of personal artistic expression. Yeah, um, I guess the ones that sort of strike a, a problematic tone for me are, are often. Um, Sort of culturally dependent so if there were a performance artist who was really going all out on glorifying cutting and and self-injury in that kind of way as a uh, a form of expression and like it was pretty clear that there were young fans of that individual who were picking up those kinds of behavior more as a result that that seems to me to sort of edge into like really would want to intercede with that artist and make sure that they are actually doing what they want to be doing with their art. What, what do you think about that one? Uh, I mean, I, I could sort of bring the free will argument into it and say that, uh, right. If, if these individuals are hurting themselves because of witnessing this performance artist doing something about self-harm, then we could just say, well, where did that person get the idea and pass the buck along? Um, like, I, I, I'm trying to think of a scenario where I think it does go too far. That's within that to try to disprove my own definition, right? Like, if I'm like clearly, if you went and did physical harm to someone that didn't consent to it, like that's that's clearly going too far, and that's easy to define and, and see, but right. If, if these individuals hurt <laughs> themselves and, you know, they went to the museum to go watch this guy's piece, uh, assuming he was doing something live, uh, then in a way they're sort of consenting to wit- witnessing and exposing themselves to that piece. Hmm. So you're you're very very permissive basically as long as you feel like there's some amount of consent involved. Only I only when it comes to physical to harm, sell. right? Like physical like sell. you know uh, I could use the example of um, um, uh, Banksy did this piece uh, when he was touring around uh, California in the United States where he got a like a doll. And it was in an orange jumpsuit with a black bag over its head and like kneeling down with its arms tied behind its back. So it looked like a person and put it next to um, a ride in Disneyland. 
and they had to like shut the ride down and like and like they thought it was a person at first and then realized it wasn't so like that clearly caused a lot of like psychological harm right in, in terms of people not knowing what that was and being afraid and all of the, those sort of things but he was obviously trying to make a political uh point and uh, draw attention to the people that were in guantanamo who were on hunger strikes and being detained um mm -hmm. in this sort of off-site place yeah i mean you're right this is why this is so tricky and so voidy and like some so much of this art is so voidy is that we're trying to draw a line about what the right kind of causing harm to people is, right? Because if, you, if you're being honest, like, the point of uh, uh, a lot of art is to, like you are saying, psychologically harm you a little bit in a controlled environment as a way to uh, help you grow overall as an individual in theory or help us all sort of express ourselves and grow as individuals. Um, so it's hard to say... Like short of kid, you know, like you know the one example that went really too far that came to mind. Um, are you've watched Black Mirror? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, remember the very first episode? Yes. Right. Oh, so that pig, the one that every the episode that almost everyone doesn't like, but I think is actually a very interesting episode. It is involves, my second favorite Black Mirror episode. Yeah, and it turns into a whole thing about performance art um right i forgot about that yeah and it, it would violate your criteria and that it involves uh non-consensual engagement of other performers yes um so uh, there's that and then uh, yeah i it's hard once you step away from that bright red line it's hard to say what too far is uh versus i guess what is uh, better or worse art on other metrics, right? Does it appeal? Does it seem to make a point that it wants? Like some of these, I feel like I could challenge that it's making a good point of any sort. Yeah, um, but that that dives into the subjectiveness of sure, art in and of itself. Sure. I mean, I um, uh, when I teach a class that is an art class of any kind, sound design or lighting design or whatever, uh, I tell them I never will grade their art. I will critique their art, but their assessment will never be based on the art itself. And I know that there are universities that teach art uh, where you get no grades. Like there are no grades. You just have to do the projects. If you don't do the projects, you get kicked out. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, uh, that's why I'm trying to make sure, like I'm happy to engage in the conversation about the subjectivity uh, or the subject subjective perception of the pieces um uh, obviously i'm happy to engage in that conversation but the objective line of going too far or not i think is that's the different question right yeah i, I just don't know i don't know how do you how you adjudicate it like well like there, there's the guy let, let's use the, um what's yeah. his name uh adrian parson where he did a, a live self-circumcision with a dull knife right Ugh. I mean, there's various kinds of self-harm on this list, and it's, you know, like, from an ethicist perspective, I'm not sure if there's really any way to distinguish between them that well. Yeah, and especially, like, if it clearly, culturally, not even just here, but almost all over the world, it, it is culturally acceptable to cause harm for the sake of art, just in terms of tattoos by themselves. Right. Sure. You know, almost every culture 
personifies them. So if if the line can't be just self-harm by itself, because that's something that like almost everyone engages in. So then you have to go like, well, then is there a line where it's too much self-harm or or not? And it just seems to me that objectively the self-harm aspect isn't can't be too far. They're the wrong kind of self-harm, but that also just is it's it's really hard to pin down. And, and like the piece itself could be drawing attention to that line, right? Right. Um there I think uh, I mean yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 please. No, I just want to look at bringing this other example of the other cannibalism one from this list, mm -hmm. which is um, uh, Mao Sugiyama, who uh, in 2012, when they turned 22, declared themselves asexual, had their genitals and nipples surgically removed, uh, and then to raise awareness about sexual minorities, ex-genders, and asexual people, uh, had them cooked and fed them to people. Yeah, uh, in a yeah, and and like like they consented to it, right? Like you know yeah. they they he charged them money and they paid for it uh, to to eat it. So uh, clearly, those people are consenting to it uh, in a big way. Um, and and it also says like at least like with the circ the self circumcision, I think that's different than this person because they got them surgically removed. So I think the assumption is. Uh, something akin to like you know gender reassignment surgery type of a thing, mm -hmm. right? I would assume. I yeah. Don't... As far as I can tell, yeah. You're taking you taking like the article it, at face value. Do you feel like it's different if it's professionally done versus self like literal literally self harm? Uh, I'm not saying that that transitioning is self harm. I mean, um, I, do you do you feel like it's different if you if you do the the medical procedure yourself? Yeah. It's different from a subjective artistic point of view, but I don't think in terms of the farness, uh, I don't think it uh, changes that calculus. Mm -hmm. You know, there was the other guy who um, had a friend shoot him right in front of people like intentionally. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> I love performance art. <laughs> my, my art project is I'm going to have somebody shoot me. Right. Or like, you know, there's the other guy who, uh, I'm not even going to, okay, I'm going to try to pronounce his name. Pyotr Piotr Volensky, some Russian guy, right, who stitched his mouth closed, right, as part of a political protest about the band Pussy Riot being put in jail, which I think, like, that that is, you know, pretty intense, but says a lot, right? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these pieces are good art like his other one where he the pictures are really evocative he had himself he's naked and he had himself wrapped in barbed wire and delivered outside of the legislative assembly of saint petersburg and they had to cut him out of these wires and it's yeah. it looks horrible yeah he um, had he had his testicles nailed to the floor also in another protest yeah um what do you think about this? Okay, so here's another one where, like, th this this one might actually be a bit more of a hard problem for you. The individual who's inducing miscarriages repeatedly. Right. Yeah, so Alia uh, Farts, um, an art major at Yale, <laughs> who uh, kept artificially inseminate, like, again, performance art, I don't, 
I, I think we should remove the stigma, but it is it is a little funny when you read some of these. Artificially inseminated herself using a needleless syringe by injecting freshly concocted uh, collect sorry freshly collected sperm <laughs> near her cervix. Uh, I just love that. Um, freshly collected. Freshly collected. You don't you want to make sure it's fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the 28th day of her cycle, not knowing whether she's pregnant or not, she would pop in an abortification drug uh, and would proceed to have bad cramps and heavy bleeding. She did this herself for nine months, and the exhibition piece featured videos of her having the induced miscarriages and also other physical evidence such as blood of the same. Yeah, like if if I'm a person who is pro-life and in my mind... Uh, life starts at conception, right? This would go too far, right? But with my uh, uh, opinion that a fetus is not a person, this doesn't cross that line. This is why okay. this is my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, let's let's sort of stipulate for for the moment, right? Uh, if it's happening at up to twenty eight days, we're not going to say it's a person. Okay, sure. Um, is there a cheapening of life? that is going on in this piece of art that morally outweighs whatever benefit the art is doing in terms of making a statement. Well, I mean, we, we don't know the sort of point of her piece, but, but I think we could fairly be observers of it and, and think about it, right? Like, right. If I were to, to assume that she was a pro-life person and using this as, as an art piece to draw attention to the hypocrisy of people being okay with abortions. I think this is a does a fantastic job of drawing uh, a spotlight to that. Right. Mm -hmm. But if it's okay to harm sort of not full fledged persons, do we run the risk of allowing art that brutalizes us as individuals, right? I, I think our goal should be, or, or or it seems to me that for for art to help with flourishing of human beings, you want it to a little bit toughen them up towards the realities of our world, but also mostly help them be more connected and empathetic. So the one where she sits and stares at people, you know, and just makes eye contact. I love that as like a void bridging kind of art. Um, but if we go in this other direction, what, you know, before we hit too far, are we doing things that are harmful to the artist and the people enjoying the art? So, for example, a, a piece of art that involves torturing some organism low enough on the phylogenetic spectrum that we don't think it really has consciousness or enough sure. consciousness that no one's going to say anything about it. Sure. Right. If I did my art where I just you know, tortured a fish on stage, would that be going too far? I don't think so, just because, like, it depends, right? Like, you know, one of the reasons why I like this type of art and I like, eight, like, I love endings that are not happy, right? A lot of people enjoy art uh, in terms of its entertainment value and they want it as an escapist type of a thing. And and in my opinion, subjective opinion, um Really good art can draw attention to the things that we intentionally put a blind eye to. So let's let's take your example and go just one, I think, one notch up. Let's say that they're torturing mice, right? Like, I think, could we just quickly agree that mice would be a little bit higher on the 
mm-hmm. organic spectrum. Uh, sure. So, right. But if if in the process of doing that, the point of it is drawing attention to animal testing, right, which is something that's actually happening, right? Like <clears throat> it can serve a social political point of view in order to make a point, right? And I think that's something that art can do successfully in a in a very good way. I, I agree that art can do that. I, I do start to feel like it's not okay to torture that specific mouse to make a broad point about animal testing, that there are other viable ways that don't involve treating that mouse as a means to an end, partly because I think in doing so, you do lower yourself to the level of people who are doing the testing on mice that way. Sure. And, and I, but I think we're now moving into a conversation on the powerfulness or the impactness of the piece. And I mm. think that is a separate conversation. Not necessarily. I think we can, we can at least ask, is there any other way that you could have gotten anything like your point across without doing something that seems like it's problematic. But I think um, the answer is always going to be yes, right? Like, I, I think it's... A, not necessarily. I, I think it does, right? Because, okay, fine. If you say not necessarily, then could you give me an example where that would be true? Yeah, so I think there are, you know, hard issues that we would want art to be able to address. And it, you, I don't think that you could say that you can get by discussing those hard issues 100% allegorically, for example, right? You can't discuss um, sexual assault or something without at some point sort of discussing and artistically expressing the direct realities of experiencing that. Uh, that, that. That sort of is my opinion that you couldn't, you couldn't get all of that done through myth and metaphor. Um, so I guess that's where I would say, if someone were to try to claim, well, anything beyond sort of oblique references to sexual assault is going too far, can't you do without it? The answer is objectively no. Right. So, 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 so then, so then there isn't, I mean, that sort of proves my point, I think, in that you can, you can at least find lines that you can say like, oh, you could probably tell this story or try to convey this idea in a different and or better way. But that feels like a different conversation than, or or looking at it from a different point of view, than is it going objectively too far or not? Is it causing too much harm or not? Mm, I think it depends on, I, I think they're not one-to-one connected, but as the amount of harm being caused by the means increases, the necessity to press the question if there is an alternative also increases. Because I think ultimately it all becomes a cultural times like time and location specific thing, right? Like, you know, for example, um uh oh my god, uh, I can't remember his name. He's a famous poet, um some guy. I can't fuck, I can't remember his name. Um which poem? I want to say Whitman, is that his name? I don't know. Give me more. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, this guy wrote all these poems, and years ago they were banned, and they were deemed like blasphemous, and now they're read by school children, um, <laughs> right? Marquis de Sade. 
Maybe. Um, but I, you know, I think <laughs> maybe, like, I had, maybe I had a different school schooling experience than some other people. Yeah. Uh, but I think like, you know, art in certain time periods pushes the boundary where now we would say that's no big deal, right? Like, you know, years ago, Shepard Ferry, who does like the Obey stuff, right? He did some stuff that went too far uh, years ago in the eyes of, of the law and, and a few people. Uh, and other people now deem it to be actually really great what he was doing, right? So I think that there's always, art is always looking to push those boundaries based on the current cultural norms and trying to to draw attention to normative behavior or non-normative behavior in a specific way. I agree with you up to a point, I think. that That's sort of my pluralist response here, is I agree with you that there is a lot of context-dependent factors that have to be included when talking about, you know, good art and bad art, especially transgressive art and, and what they're trying to transgress at that particular place and time. I don't want to give up quite so quickly, though, on the idea that there might be some realistic, hard and fast ethical boundaries that we can mostly apply. No, not, not 100% of the time, but that I think give us good ethical guidelines or heuristics or something a little bit. So like another issue that we could bring up in this same world is um, simulated violence. So whether, you know, a snuff film would be sort of the most extreme example. If it's a fake snuff film, is it okay to make fake snuff films and propagate those? I, I think that's a, a complicated question. And it's like, it's not, you know, obviously no, because we watch, you know, we all watch horror movies, not all of us, but a lot of us watch horror movies that have people getting murdered in them. So the question is, what's the difference? Um, but I, it does seem like, especially if you were to add in um, violent sexual behavior into that. So I'm, my mind goes back to my youth again and, and wa watching Videodrome, um, which is a movie about uh, sort of mind altering snuff films, basically. Um, <laughs> And like, I, I wonder if there's a point to be made that eventually there is no redeeming value. There could be such a thing as that, that kind of stuff with no redeeming value to it. And that might be a line too far. What do you think? Uh, I mean, it almost sounds like it goes into the, I know it when I see it definition, um, which I think is a cultural, uh, a cultural subjective opinion. You know, I'm also thinking about, uh, uh, Sarah, well, no, go ahead. No, I mean, like, let's step away from like making the laws for a second and just talking about for ourselves personally. Like, I'm not saying everyone else has to agree with me on my ethical judgments, but I might have what I believe to be an ethical position about this or that particular piece of art as being problematic or harmful for one one reason or another. Yeah, and I think everyone can do that. Um, mm -hmm. Which is why I, I, I think what I, the thing that interests me in drilling down in this is, you know, we talk about objective morality, right? That there's this objective morality and humans over time are learning, are slowly learning that objective morality, right? Then is there an objective too far when it comes to art? Right. And trying as much as possible to get away from what may or may not be a cultural, subjective, uh, moral position on what that may or may not be. So, mm -hmm. like, for example, 
Uh, Sarah Kane, I was a playwright. Um, she's one of my favorite playwrights. She, the first play that she became famous for was called Cleansed, and it was in the late 90s. Um, and originally, her and Mark Ravenhill is another uh, playwright. Their stuff was called In Your Face Theater. Uh, and a lot of people thought it was disgusting and it was just shock theater and it was just meant to do things to, um, you know, make you have a reaction, but it had no actual story to it. And in, in the play Cleanse, there's this moment where there's this family and these soldiers break in to their house and hold them at gunpoint. And there's a scene where one of the soldiers is raping the husband. And while he's raping them, they're having a conversation as if that's not what's actually happening. Uh, so does, did this stuff evolve? Did they directly cite like Arto and theater of cruel cruelty kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's great. I wanted to get them involved in this conversation as well, because I think that's another sort of, uh, important piece of the history of transgressive art. Um, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, then the other piece that she did, uh, which I did for my thesis, is called 448 Psychosis. Mm -hmm. um, and it's essentially like this person struggling with mental illness and wanting to kill themselves. And uh, it's one of the most powerful pieces of theater I've ever read. And I cannot answer the question on whether it would diminish its powerfulness if it wasn't a fact that two weeks after finishing the play, she actually killed herself. I think that there's all like there's always art and theater. Like we could even talk about I'm sort of I'm sort of all over the place, right? We could talk about Marilyn Manson, where for a long time mm -hmm. people thought he was going way too far and he was the direct cause of mass shootings. Right. Like, oh, the Columbine kids listen to Marilyn Manson. It must be because of him. It must be because of violent video games. Uh, that is causing these things, but mm -hmm. I'm sort of all over the place. I'm like even losing track of, of the point I'm trying to make. Um, it's okay. Um, but I think, yeah, I think I, my overarching, I think just to summarize my, my little rant is that there's always going to be a subjective opinion about the quality of the piece and whether it personally goes too far or not. But I think that is different than an objective is there an objective too far or not yeah i <laughs> now respond to my ranting and rambling well so 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 let me see if i can tie all this together a little bit right i think another pushback against the stuff that i've been arguing in my sort of steel botting of the going too far position um is that these kinds of art can influence behavior and they can influence behavior to make people more sadistic for example uh and there's you know that was the same thing that was sort of lobbed at, at marilyn manson and violent video games and the data is for the most part uh mixed to against on the idea that these things work in that kind of way though it's tricky because i do think we also all kind of agree that art does influence people in some kind of way because People keep engaging with art and it keeps changing their behavior in various sorts of ways. I run Philosophers in Space. We just talked a bunch about toxic fandom. So, uh, you know, I think it's reasonable to worry about sort of toxic engagement, especially with these very extreme forms of theater of cruelty kind of art. So, 
you know, ultimately I come down on a very permissive position on all of this. My actual ethical views sort of land around pretty much everything that isn't like you were saying, directly harming other people to be permissible. Um, but we are in these, in all of this art, I think a, a unifying theme is to get people to behave in ways that are transgressive to the current status quo, whether that's making long, long eye contact with strangers or getting in people's faces and being loud about the things that you think matter. Right. So the question becomes in, in pushing more and more transgressive behavior, does the art ever hit a point where it's pushing behavior that is objectively immoral in its transgressiveness? Yeah. And I think that's why I was trying to like define that line in, in a way that would withstand the, the test of time, both in the past and in the future. Um, mm -hmm. But just one more point is every study I've seen has has concluded that uh, things like violent video games and music uh, have no causal relationship with violent behavior of any kind. Yeah. But what about like cigarette smoking commercials aimed at children? Do we do we deny that marketing works on any level? No, I don't think we deny it. I, but I think that we're looking at a specific subset of mm -hmm. of art that is objectively considered violent or mm -hmm. or um, promotes violence. Uh, that that stuff in and of itself doesn't. So I would agree with you that cigarettes do influence people to want to go out and smoke and stuff like that. But uh, but they're usually glorifying it. In, and normalizing it without specifically drawing attention to it. Is it possible also just that the barrier to overcome for causing someone to act violently is higher than barriers for other kinds of like, it's easy to get me to eat candy, right? It's right. not, not at all hard to sell me on M&Ms, but hurting someone takes a lot of, a lot of hard sell. Yeah. So, and, and I wonder yeah. if it's also a cultural thing. Like if we were in, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sure, 3000 BC yeah. Sparta and and we actually had TV and stuff. Right. If we saw some violent film. Right. We all would already live in a culture where where going to war and killing people with your bare hands was a normalized heroic thing, you know, and seeing someone do it a certain way would likely make us do that. Probably. I'd, I'd still prefer the peanut butter M&Ms, but your point is well taken. Right? It, is it is definitely culturally sensitive. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, like, I keep going back to the, the you know, non-consenting physical harm to people as, as the, the, the threshold. But I could be convinced mm -hmm. otherwise. What do you think about, there was one other one in one of the other articles that I, I brought up, uh, I sent to you. Um... Joseph Bay's uh, I Like America and America Likes Me, where the artist was brought to America, and this is all a big critique of American culture, and he was kept in a room covered in felt uh, with, with copies of the Wall Street Journal, a pair of gloves, a walking stick, and a live coyote. And the coyote wavered between attacking him and peeing on the newspapers a lot, and then eventually grew amiable enough to allow a hug from the artist, uh, who was then 
wrapped back in felt and returned to the airport and never touched American soil. I don't think you sent me this one. Oh, this was another set of like, most of them weren't, most of them were just like striking art, but not necessarily like, and it was a lot of the same stuff, but this was just one other one that I thought might, might be a little tricky. Yeah, I guess it, it, it begs the question, you know, can you consent to the art after the fact? Um, because I mean, like on its face, that would, that would constitute going too far for me. Cause it involves the coyote. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like it, 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 although it may not have actually caused him harm, the potential to cause him harm was pretty high. The, the likelihood was fairly high. Um, and there was probably only moral luck that stopped it from actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Good use of moral luck there. I'm so proud of you. It's almost, it's, it reminds me of that community episode where they do that psychological experiment, but they don't know that the experiment is them just waiting. Yeah. And why are you mad? Oh, I am mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Abed. Oh. Uh, so, so that would go, is that partly because it's a coyote? If it was, you know, if he'd been kept in a room with a lobster, right? The lobster you, like is low enough down on the totem pole. Please tell me like, you've well, seen... he probably hasn't harmed the lobster. <laughs> Please tell me you've seen that movie, The Lobster. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, that, uh, uh, I mean, there is an aspect of like holding someone against their will. Um, uh, and I think you could easily convince me of an argument that that does cause physical harm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to reevaluate my definition because you definitely poked a hole in it. Um, oh, sweet. No, no, in a good way, right? Um, I guess, I guess not just like it's, it's physical harm and like, I don't, maybe you can put better words in my mouth, uh, than I can. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, there's some sort of like physicalness, like physically holding someone. Like if you trap someone in a room without their consent, like you are physically doing that. Denying them autonomy, maybe. Oh, yeah. That's a good way. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So causing physical harm or denying autonomy. Uh-huh. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I want to give a... um. Uh, a shout out to some of the other ones that don't go too far but are just weird uh, the guy who lived in a bear carcass yeah <laughs> like it's not harming the bear as far as I can tell it's not seeming to harm anyone it just just odd <laughs> yeah the one and I actually knew about this a while ago but that woman who like put the the yarn into her vagina and then knitted what came out of it Super uh-huh. gross, super gross, and I think subjectively there's no fucking point to it, uh, but doesn't obviously cross the line. You don't think it's a, a clear uh, metaphor for motherhood and and the sort of conflicting social obligations? It's just gross. You're just losing as listeners, like right and left here. It's gross. <laughs> It's natural. It's all part of nature. Or something. Well, that's that's nice. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, there was um, also like someone who like knitted a scarf with their armpit hair or something. Mm-hmm. Just fine. Like I don't. That's not gross. But it's like fi- it's fine. It's just fine. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we get on to hero of the week? Um, on this one. Thoughts no. about chil- children, maybe, uh, and, and what what goes too far in terms of children's art. <laughs> uh i i think um just 
about everything goes too far with children's art. Uh, I've done a lot. Of, I've done a lot for, of children's theater. Um, yeah, we're available for children's parties. By the way, that's <laughs> shoot ourselves <laughs> something, something, whatever you want. <laughs> oh man! No, let's cut a hero. <laughs> leave it. Leave it with that. <clears throat> Is that what you think you are? A hero? Saved the world, didn't I? Once. Talk to me after you've done it a couple more times. Alrighty. So our hero of the week is once again cephalopod related. Uh, this is the story of Pei Yan Hong, uh, who was walking on the beach when he discovered a beached octopus who was grasping for air, and he uh, collected up the octopus and placed it back in the water. And the reason this story uh, got attention is because, and there are pictures, um, the octopus, once recovered in the water, turns around, comes back to Pei's foot, puts a couple of tentacles on the foot. According to the article, it describes it as thanking him for saving his life. And then, after it was clear that he was expressing gratitude, the octopus slowly made its way out to sea. And I don't I don't even care that these people are anthropomorphizing, you know, this octopus or that we can't know if it was what it was doing or touching or if it was just like trying to walk in one direction and then noticed that was the wrong direction and turned around and went the other way. I don't care. I don't care at all. It's just it's just so hilarious. Like, A, that you found another octopus story. B, <laughs> that it's actually like another positive octopus story <laughs> like i don't find octopus stories i get sent octopus stories i like i'm wondering if you like subscribe to some octopus magazine that like if you find this stuff in <laughs> yes it's called the internet oh <laughs> called my facebook page it uh like every once in a while when i need it i'll watch like one of those compilation videos of like restoring faith in humanity uh, mm -hmm. And there's like every once in a while you see one where it's some animal showing com compassion to another animal and not like a house trained animal um, that like you'll randomly see like what uh, what is a predator to another animal will go out of their way to save them or something. Um, mm -hmm. It's just it's it's sort it's sort of weird sometimes how that happens. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not it's not a universal thing i don't feel so about all animals i just have a fever and the only cure is more tentacles <laughs> you know wow I'm, oh wow wow we i'm all about those cephalopods i really like I, I think part of it is that i i feel shame about how the ascendancy of mammals has gone and I really feel like the cephalopods are the better bet for humanity and for the planet. So not only and do so, you have white shame, uh, but you also have like homo sapien shame. I do. I have monkey shame. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I have I have opposable thumb privilege. Like, it's bad. I hope Jeremiah Traeger is listening because there are so many quotables there <laughs> of Aaron saying. I got this frontal lobe moral luck. It's terrible. Oh man. Which is why, again, we will immediately praise and support you if you save our future overlords, the cephalopods. <laughs> right. 
Uh, and, and with that, I think that's another <laughs> rousing week for us, isn't it? It definitely is. It definitely uh, wraps things up. Right. Tentacles, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yep. Give, give, give me a big hug. <laughs> An eight-armed hug. Right. If I'm going to be killed by something underwater, it should be tentacles. Like, that's all I'm saying is, like, if you're going to go out, go out in style. You know, octopuses are just, like, spiders in the water. That's really all they are. <laughs> are you going to be afraid of them now? I mean, I'm already afraid of the ocean, so I got that box checked. Justifiable. All right. Uh, and then we awkwardly try to end the episode. We don't know what should, else to say. I mean, should we should we do wrap-ups? What do you feel like? I mean, people, I do the tag. I do the tag before. at the end. I know, and like, are you you're just doing our um, like our outro music anyway during these these final conversations? See, I think that outro thing is good. Yeah, which is the music playing over the last bit of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Me too. Unless we want to start, you know, like we could start telling people what we're going to start doing next week or something if we want. Nah, fuck the system. All right, fuck the status quo. Fuck the man. All right, I'm stopping my recording. We would like to thank our new patrons. Jeremy Pepper, Thomas corrupted me into buying a quarter pounder and I'm so mad with cheese. And James Lohner. We would like to thank our top patrons, Jesse Rubinowitz and Brenda Goodman, Dave Maslick, Abe, Corey Johnston, host of the Brainstorm podcast on the Hardcore Skeptic, CampQuest.org, 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 Mr. Nobody, and Scott John Harrison at Shaded Sprider. If you would like to become a patron, find us at patreon.com slash embrace the void. As always, remember, you are the void and the void is you. 